0: Well, this is it, back to the East Coast. Are there many stops on the way back to New York? First, we'll stop in Chicago, then Cincinnati, Washington, DC, Baltimore, and Philadelphia, before finally ending in New York. Let's get a sleeper car this time. Those wooden benches are not the best for sleeping.
1: All
2: aboard.
1: So who swords of the enemy rain blows upon thee rain blows upon thee and all of the heavens and the earth arise against the by Against sea, Bahaula rise against sea, power rise against sea, Bahaula rise against sea, rise against against
3: You're listening to the Journey West podcast, dedicated to following the travels of Abdu'l-Bahá in the West.
0: It's November, and our journey through America is coming to a close. This is true. Once on the train, someone asked Abdu'l-Bahá why he was traveling the country. He said, I have come to America to raise the standard of universal peace and to promote the unity of mankind. My aim is to create love and harmony among the religions. But some people ask me, is your country developed? Is it prosperous? And has it good trees, sweet fruits, beautiful animals, and swift Arabian horses? But I speak to them of the trees of the world of existence, of the fruits of human virtues and of heavenly morals and traits, and call people to the kingdom of God. The master never lost sight of this aim. It seems that every encounter he had, he understood this was his purpose. Let's move now to the second segment of the podcast, a message for the Western Baha'is by Abdul Baha, read by Xunwi. 1 November,
4: 1912. Talk at the home of Mrs. Corinne True. I am well pleased with every person here this evening and most happy in meeting the friends of God and servants of the merciful. Praise be to God. The faces are radiant and the hearts are attracted to the kingdom of Abha. Faith is evident in the countenances of all and this is a source of joy. The blessed perfection, Baha'u'llah, endured hardships and vicissitudes Nearly fifty years. There was no ordeal or difficulty he did not experience, yet he endured all in perfect joy and happiness. Those who beheld him were assured of his great happiness, for no trace of sadness or sorrow was ever visible upon his face. Even in prison he was like a king, enthroned in majesty and greatness, and he ever bore himself with supreme confidence and dignity. When the officers and grandees of the government were presented to him, they became respectful at once. His majesty and dignity were awe-inspiring. Remember, he was a prisoner. He was in prison. He endured ordeals and calamities for the sole purpose of illuminating us and in order that our hearts might be attracted to the kingdom of God. Our faces become radiant with the glad tidings of God in order that we might be submerged in the ocean of lights and be as brilliant and shining candles, illuminating the dark recesses and flooding the regions with brightness. Now, as I look around, I observe that your faces, praise be to God, are shining. Your hearts are filled with the love of God and you are thinking of service in the cause of God. Therefore, I am very happy to be here and I hope that this happiness will be with you always, an eternal condition. We visited San Francisco and from there went to Los Angeles. In these places we found most devoted friends. Truly zealous and aglow with the fire of the love of God, their sole purpose is ever to serve the kingdom of Abha. I hope that you may serve even more faithfully and take precedence over all the other friends. May the fire of the love of God be so enkindled in Chicago that all the cities in America shall be ignited. This is my hope. My third visit here expresses the degree of my longing to see you and the extent of my love. It was thought that I should go direct from San Francisco to New York and thence to the Orient. But impelled by excessive love, I have visited Chicago again to associate with you in fellowship, and fragrance. I hope that these three visits may be most productive of future results. May you all become signs of unity. May each one be a standard of Baha'u'llah. Each one shine as a star. Each one become precious and worthy in the kingdom of God. May you attain such a condition of spirituality that the people will be astounded, saying, Verily these souls are proofs in themselves of the validity of Baha'u'llah, for through his training, they have been completely regenerated. These souls are peerless. They are truly the people of the kingdom. They are distinguished above the people about them. This is in reality a proof of Baha'u'llah. Behold how educated and illumined they have become. When this cause appeared in the Orient, the friends and followers were self-sacrificing to the utmost, forfeiting everything, It is a significant and wonderful fact that although the most precious thing on earth is life, yet 20,000 people offered themselves willingly in the pathway of martyrdom. Recently in Yazd, 200 of the Baha'i friends were cruelly slain. They went to the place of martyrdom in the utmost ecstasy of attraction, smiling with joy and gratitude upon their persecutors. Some of them offered sweet meats to their executioners, saying, Taste of this, in order that with sweetness and enjoyment you may bestow upon us the blessed cup of martyrdom. Among these beloved and glorified ones were a number of women who were subjected to the most cruel manner of execution. Some were cut to pieces, and their executioners, not content with such butchery, set others on fire, and their bodies were consumed. Throughout these terrible ordeals, not a single soul among the Baha'i friends objected or recanted. They offered no resistance, although the Baha'is in that city were most courageous and strong. In physical strength and fortitude, one of these Baha'is could have withstood many of their enemies, but they accepted martyrdom in the spirit of complete resignation and non-resistance. Many of them died crying out, O Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. If they knew, they would not commit this wrong. In the throes of martyrdom, they willingly offered all they possessed in this life. It is stated in certain prophecies that when the standard of God appears in the East, its signs will become evident in the West. This is truly good news and glad tidings for you. I hope that this promise may be fulfilled in you and that all may be able to testify to the spirit and truth of the prophetic announcement saying, Verily the standard of God did appear in the East and its tokens have become resplendent in the West. This realization will be a source of great joy to all the Friends in the Orient, who anticipate the good news and await the glad tidings from the land of the Occident. They look forward to hearing that the Friends in the West have become firm and steadfast, that they have distinguished themselves by establishing the oneness of the world of humanity, that they are even offering their lives for the foundations of international peace, that they have become the lights of the kingdom and have proved to be the manifestations of divine mercy that the Friends in the West are the expression of the favors of the Blessed Perfection, the very stars of the bestowal of God, blessed trees and flowers in the garden of His purity and sanctity. Any good news from here is the cause of rejoicing in the East and a source of deep gratitude to them. They hold a feast and praise God for the blessed tidings. If the occasion demanded, they would give their lives for you without the least hesitation The friends in the East are all united and agreed. There are none who waver in the East, none who oppose the covenant of God. There is not a single soul among the Baha'is in Persia who is opposed to the covenant. They are all steadfast. If any soul wishes to speak in this cause, they will ask, Is this a word of your own, or is it by the authority of the center of the covenant? If you have the authority of the center of the covenant, produce it. Where is the letter from him? Where is his signature? If he produces the letter, they will accept it. If he fails to do so, they say, We cannot accept your words because they emanate from you only and return to you. We have no command from the blessed perfection, Baha'u'llah, to obey you. He has revealed a book in which he has covenanted with us to obey an appointed center of the covenant. He has not covenanted with us to obey you. Therefore, the statement you make is rejected. You must furnish proof of your authority and sanction. We are commanded to turn to one center. We do not obey various centers. The Blessed Perfection has made a covenant with us, and we are holding to this covenant and testament. We do not listen to anything else, for people may arise who speak words of their own, and we are commanded not to pay attention to them. It was not so in former dispensations. Christ, for instance, did not appoint a center of authority and explanation. He did not say to his followers, Obey the one whom I have chosen. Upon one occasion he asked his disciples, Whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter announced and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ, wishing to make firm the faith of Peter, said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Meaning that the faith of Peter was the true faith. It was the sanction of Peter's faith. He did not say that all should turn to Peter. He did not say, He is the branch extended from my ancient root. He did not say, O God, bless all who serve Peter. O God, degrade those who are not obedient to him. Shun him who is a violator of the covenant. O God, Thou knowest that I love all who are steadfast in the covenant. This has been revealed, however, in all the books, writings, and epistles of Baha'u'llah regarding the appointed center of the covenant in this dispensation. Therefore, the Baha'i dispensation is distinguished from all others in this fact, the purpose of Baha'u'llah being that no one could arise to cause differences and disunion. After the departure of Christ, various sects and denominations arose, each one claiming to be the true channel of Christianity. But none of them possessed a written authority from Christ. None could produce proof from him, yet all claimed his sanction and approval. Baha'u'llah has written a covenant and testament with his own pen, declaring that the one whom he has appointed, the center of the covenant, shall be turned to and obeyed by all. Therefore, thank God that Baha'u'llah has made the pathway straight. He has clearly explained all things and opened every door for advancing souls. There is no reason for hesitation by anyone. The purpose of the covenant was simply to ward off disunion and differences, so that no one might say, My opinion is the true and valid one. Any opinion expressed by the center of the covenant is correct, and there is no reason for disobedience by anyone. Be watchful, for perchance there may be violators of the covenant among you. Do not listen to them. Read the book of the covenant. All have been commanded to obey the covenant, and the first admonition is addressed to the sons of Baha'u'llah, the branches you must turn to the appointed center. He is the expounder of the book. Should any soul so clearly violate and disobey this command, can he even say he is a Baha'i? If anyone disobeys the explicit command of Christ, can he truthfully say he is a Christian? In conclusion, I would say that I am greatly pleased with this meeting. I shall pray for you, seeking confirmation from the blessed perfection. Praise be to God. You must be grateful that he has chosen you from among the people of the world, that such glorious bestowal, and such endless graces and favors have been specialized for you. You must not look at present accomplishments, for this is but the beginning, as it was at the time of Christ. Before long you will see that you will be distinguished among all people. In every way the divine confirmation will uphold you, and the radiance of the kingdom of Baha'u'llah will illumine your countenances. Be truly grateful for all these blessings. I hope I may always hear good news of you showing that the friends in Chicago are occupied with service and the divine cause, filled with the joy of promoting the Word of God, engaged in spreading the teachings of Baha'u'llah and manifesting love and kindness to all humanity. This is my hope and anticipation. I am sure that you will endeavor to accomplish this so that the friends in Persia and I may experience the happiness of the good tidings. May you be a source of joy and happiness to us, a source of tranquility and composure.
0: Now to our roundtable discussion.
2: Hi, I'm Ian Carter, and I'm in finance.
0: Hi, I'm uh, Melissa Hainsworth,
5: and I'm a conservator.
3: I'm Ivan, and I'm a filmmaker. So what strikes me about this talk, um, it's more of a Baha'i talk than than any of the other talks he gave during his journeys. It's less it seems less universal but yet it is he he starts off with um he describes the community in the east and how united they are and how um what's what what sacrifices they have to go through for the cause sort of to establish the validity of of the faith in these new western believers saying that this is not just you know to me at least it seems he he kind of tried to make a point of you know this is not just we're not all being friendly and nice here this is serious people are laying down their lives with happiness for this because it's so magnificent and it's so big and so important that even in your life the most precious thing that you have is is worthy worth you know giving for this thing service itself must
2: carry a sense of sacrifice and in the same in the in the same sense uh the, the Covenant also demands a a certain level of sacrifice you have you have to you, ha- you, you have your own uh, personal interpretations that you know that you can draw from the writings but at you know at no point can you come forward and say this is the answer that's that's a sacrifice of the ego and in, a, in another sense you know with with the uh, obedience to the house, people are sacrificing their own kind of their own kind of ambitions, their own dreams in order to further the progress of the cause. When when we when we think of when we think of service to the cause, we're, we, we I, I don't think we should really look at ourselves and say, how can I serve the cause? We have to say, OK, how can the cause be served? And that is another level of sacrifice. And I think these 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 areas where there are uh, these new temples, the, the two national uh, masical ascars, and also the five local masical ascars. Those those are, you know, as you say, the the physical manifestations of that that level of sacrifice, because they've been able to combine these aspects of service and worship, you know, together in their communities. So without this necessary component of sacrifice, which is almost the catalyst for the in, the entire progress of the faith, you know, then. then then uh, it's it's just it just shows how necessary it is.
5: There's also a lot of uh, you know putting your trust wholly in God, especially with the whole talk, the whole part of the talk talking about the the covenant and the center of the covenant that Baha'u'llah in His own hand wrote down about. You know, this is the center of my covenant, the sole interpreter, and. You know, we as individuals might think that, oh, but my opinion's this, and it might differ from the opinion of whoever's the center of the covenant at a time. But you have to put your trust wholly in God, and Baha'u'llah, as the manifestation of God, has said that this is how, this is who is the center of the covenant. Obey them when I'm gone. So, like Abdu'l Baha says in this talk, if you don't obey what Bahá'u'lláh says, then you're not a Bahá'í, and that's—it's all about putting your trust in God and detaching yourself from your own opinions, in in anything really. If the you know if Abdul Baha said it, if Shoghi Effendi said it, if the Universal House of Justice said it, the center of the Covenant is true; they're infallible, and we have to put our trust in them and through them, through God in them. Just. Completely detach ourselves from our own opinions, which sometimes is very, very hard.
2: Well, one thing that really resonates with me is when when Abdul Bahaz says, in, in the very last uh, paragraph, "Be truly grateful for all these blessings." And these blessings refer to, these blessings referring to, uh, essentially the the, the 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 binding power of the covenant. And you think, and you and you look at the previous dispensations. You know, at no point was this was something to the to the greatness or the magnitude of the covenant ever instituted, and and he uses he uses the uh, the the revelation of Christ as you know as as an example. You know the the closest that Jesus Christ comes to establishing a covenant is really just as Abdullah says, affirming that the true faith belongs with Peter. But but that doesn't. That, that acknowledgement of true faith isn't extended to say, as Abdu'l-Baha says, that this person now has the infallible guidance to then direct uh, you know, the flock of Jesus Christ. It it didn't go that far. So that was something that was
3: mysteriously withheld. We, we shouldn't think that Jesus couldn't do it or that he didn't, um, wasn't able or didn't have that authority or whatever. It's It's the the capacity of, of the civilization of, of of mankind at that time, that actually you know, this mercy was also bestowed at the humanity to humanity at that time you know saying, okay you know this is the new revelation you can see how you can systematize it in whatever way you can do you you can and then you know through that that has actually led to the to our capacity of, of our time where Baha'u'llah could come and say, you know now the time has come that we have only one interpreter um and we all have to turn to him
2: yeah
5: we're so lucky because there's so many in the previous dispensations there's so many arguments and disunity caused because of disagreements and not knowing whose whose point of view is right but if we have disagreements in in the baha'i faith we just turn to the center of the covenant and they will say what's right or what's wrong or whatever they say and put our trust in them whereas other dispensations they don't have that which results in hundreds and thousands of sects of Christianity and um, war between sects of Islam simply because you disagree on one point it's it's a blessing it truly is a blessing that we have this
3: you know, if, if we look at the 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 action aspect of our lives, would the we would would the institute ever come about? You know, would we ever be able to to, you know, to translate the writings of our faith to reality to such an extent? Because if we look at the, the marvelous progress that the faith has done in the last only this hundred years since Abdul Baha's travels, it's remarkable. We have you know, we have we now actually have tools with which to build new communities and bring about the complete transformation of society. Um, not only, you know, we're not talking anymore just about religion, just about theology and philosophy. These are actual, you know, tools that that enable us to, to change our social, our material, intellectual, and spiritual um, aspects of, of, of our existence, of our communities, you know. So I think that's really remarkable. Just thinking about that, just just going, you know, touching even to any any all the people from outside who are maybe not Baha'is and not familiar with the concepts of the Institute, for instance, just touching a little on on the uh, like the surface of of the Institute of of any one of the aspects of junior youth groups or children's classes. Um, I think they would they would find themselves really amazed, you know, how the, these educational processes are completely different to anything that humanity had before or has now.
5: One thing that I really love about the Baha'i faith, which is because of the covenant, is that it's progressive. And, I mean, uh, Baha'u'llah and Abdullah and Shoghi Effendi, they wrote so much about this world and everything that's happening and everything that's affecting us now in this day. But in the future, because the dispensation of, um, there's not going to be another prophet for a thousand years, but the dispensation of Bahá'u'lláh is going to last for, what is it? 500,000 500, years. 500,000 years? It's, it's because it, it's it got the ability to adapt, and that's because of the center of the covenant. Because there is a covenant and there is someone to interpret, someone who is actually ordained by God, um, by Bahá'u'lláh as, as being the center, they they can interpret things and they can guide the Baha'i community when something new comes up, something that we don't need to deal with but this, in this day and age now, but in the future it might be a really big issue. And we, we have the tools, we, have the, we know where to go to find out what to do. It's not, oh, I think this, oh, I think that. It's the center of the covenant will, tell, will guide us whereas previous dispensations, they don't have that.
0: That's it for the podcast this week. Special thanks to Mitch Doran for letting us use his song Arise as a soundtrack to our train ride. Also thanks to our roundtable guests, Ian Carter, Melissa Hainsworth, Levan Mahotsi, and Juinwi Gogomo for reading. If you'd like more information about abdul travels in the West, visit our site, www.thejourneywest.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Journey West. Thanks, everyone. Bye.